It is good to have you here today. Looks like you guys are ready to go. Remember, gentlemen, this coming Saturday at 8 o'clock, we're having a men's breakfast this Saturday at 8 o'clock right here at the chapel. All right. It is good to have you here. I, I just want to say, I, I am just, I, I'm just so blessed that you're in my life. We have a church that is very generous, and uh, as you know that uh, things come up from time to time, and, and we have a need, and we present that. Uh, we've had needs in the building as far as repair, and, and those have been taken care of to this point. There's some other things that are coming up that we're going to put out as projects, but then there's some things that are emergencies, as we call them, and those are the, the times of benevolence when somebody is in need um, or has lost a loved one, and we want to come around them as a church uh, we have provided a lot of different meals uh, for people that have had children. And I know all the husbands are going, hallelujah for the church, you know. <laughs> Tired of eating hard-boiled eggs or whatever, you know, they cooked. And uh, then, then there's times when we have uh, friends that pass away and we want to bless them, uh, their family, uh, because of the blessing just of uh, a family. Uh, unfortunately, as we know, friends of ours that have not gone to our church in a while, but still they uh, are friends with us, the signs, and uh, tragically, the mother and the father both passed away just within like 24 hours, leaving the three children, um, Sierra, Zeke, and Jake. And our church has rallied around them, and uh, we asked for an offering last week if you'd like to support them. And to this point, we've already given over $1,100 to the family. So we just want to say, yeah, blessings. See, we're blessed to be a blessing. That's what the Axiom Coffee, the whole name, I say that from time to time, to get you to understand the word Axiom is a self-evident truth that needs no proof. And our Axiom is we're blessed to be a blessing. And so we, we bless a lot of people at the coffee shop, but mostly through our church, we bless people. And, and I just wanted to start the service by saying the thank you for that and, and how much of a blessing our church is to those people that are in need. And uh, we're, we're going to continue. Amen? All right. Well, let's get into it this morning. The Word of God is so powerful. Uh, and it's alive. People that say, you know, I've already read the Word of God, and, you know, I'm not a good reader. Let me tell you, you have not allowed the Holy Spirit working in your life to make the Word of God alive and active in your life. This morning, as we're continuing on the series, uh, The Authority of the Believer. Now, we talked about the most important thing you can do is when you come to know God is to know who God says He is. To get firsthand revelation through the Word of God. Spend time in the Word of God. Doesn't that make sense? But, it, you know, common sense isn't common practice a lot of times. And what we do is, like when we go through school, we want to say, you know, do, do, do you have the footnotes to the, to the book? I, I don't want to read the whole book. Could you just give me it in a nutshell? 
And see, sometimes we get into being a Christian, we go, you know, I believe the Word of God, but I really don't know it. Well, then how can you believe it? Well, I've heard this person say this about this. And a lot of times we make a hodgepodge of who we think God is. And I've encouraged you, we went through a whole time of looking in the Word of God and and studying the Word of God and who God says He is. And, And there's a lot of truth that we shared, but in a nutshell, if you do want the footnotes, here it is. God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is love. Now, now again, there, there's so many definitions of what your background says love is. You know, there's some people that think the hippie love, you know. Some think the puppy dog love. D- has anybody ever been in love when you were 13 that you thought, oh, <laughs> mom and dad don't have a clue. But that person I'm in love with. Wrong kind of love. We're not talking about God, that kind of love. We're not talking about the hippie. We're talking about God loves us so much. And and before I get into it, remember that week after week I say this, that God doesn't love you because you're special, but you're special because God loves you. It puts a whole different perspective into it. Then we went into the, the series about who God says you are. Now, this is so important because if you don't know who you are in God, you're everything that everybody says you are, including the, uh, you know, the eighth grade bully pushing you around on the plate. You're nothing. You're no- and, and pretty soon we take on that identity and we become the victim all through our life. But when you realize... As the Word of God says who we are, and, and I, in my opinion, again, I want you to get a first-hand revelation of who God says you are. Because once you do, you understand that when you understand that God is love, that, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Why? Because in love, there is no fear. So when we define who we are in God, we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this, Corinthians says it this way, Paul just stated it, he says, God made he who knew no sin to be sin that we might be righteous. That's a pretty amazing statement that you can hinge your identity on. Because what happens is when we go through life, and, and listen, we, we are overcomers and we're people of faith and we are, we are champions and... You know, all the things that we sing, but there are times when we have the enemy come in and people come in and they speak and we go, I I don't know if I'm all that. We are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Now, now, let me just say this and then we'll get into it is as, as we've been talking about our belief system in our life and how we live our life. Out of our belief system, we, we make choices. And out of those choices, they, those choices put us in experiences. And those experiences will contradict or they will confirm what our belief system, and it's a cycle. I don't know about you, but it is easy for me to get into the more predictable, the familiar, because it's comfortable. Have you ever just knew that you were right and you spoke big and bad and you're wrong all the time and you didn't know it. I, I don't mind it as much as long as it's my wife that I'm not wrong to because, you know, 
That's a whole nother, when someone's living with you and you think you're right, and John, you're not right. Prove it. Okay, you proved it. All right, there we go. So it's important to base, as we know at the church, the things on the Word of God. And, and there's times in the Word of God when, when we understand that when our belief system is challenged because somebody taught us this or someone taught us that, and we really didn't ever go to the Word of God, we just assumed our belief system becomes challenged. And, and the biggest thing is when it's challenged, there's fear that comes over us. And as we know that we either fight or we flight, we fear comes into our life. We, we begin to be afraid. And then all of a sudden we go, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. No, I, that, I, I read that out of the Word of God. I've even had people go, well, what translation are you using? Surely that can't be right. This morning, I'm going to ask you, does your belief system go in line with what we sang? I am who he says I am? Then act as if you believe that you are what God says and who he says that you are. Now, now before I get into the, 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 we left it off with Genesis, and, and I'm doing some teaching because I said this, is as we live out our life and you hear a sermon, and sometimes a, someone preaches, it, it is motivation for life change, or it's motivation for continuing on the right, and we can get excited, amen, have you ever been in a service where people are amen, you go, well, I, I didn't get that, what happened, what, where, where, I don't even know what that was, but I, amen, so if, if you're taught, if you understand the things, the day comes when it begins to be alive and active in your life because you can see what was taught now becomes part of you and it becomes energizing. There's very few times when I was in school where my teacher was teaching me a principle. <laughs> Hallelujah! George Washington crossed the Delaware. <laughs> Love that guy. Well, let me tell you, I get patriotic around the 4th of July when I realize my forefathers. Okay, let's go on. So this morning I want you to see in, in Ephesians, because what we're going to do is talk about the authority of the believer. And I want to go all the way to the end and then we'll come back again. We're going to stay on this a couple of weeks, but... This morning, look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I want to remind you, as we talk about the authority of the believer, there's so many people that are believers that become victims. But I want you to see this because it's so important. It says this, and Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, and he says, How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen, who has blessed us with every blessing in heaven because we belong to Christ. Another translation says, in every, every blessing in heavenly places or the heavenly realm or high places. Now, now remember that. I'm going to go on just to confirm what I'm going to say in a few seconds. But remember, he has blessed us with every blessing in heaven. Now in verse 4 it says, long ago, even before, we, before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. Is, there's something about being chosen. God chose you. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. We who stand before him covered with his love. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. 
And he did this because he wanted to. That's pretty amazing. Now turn over to the next chapter in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says this. Now, now remember, before I read this, that he's blessed us with what? Every blessing in heavenly places. In verse 4 of chapter 2. But God is so rich in his mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by his undeserved favor have we been saved. Now watch this. And lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ. What? what? Let me say it again. And lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ. Where we sit with him in the heavenly realms. All because of what Christ Jesus did. And now God can always point to us as examples of how very, very rich His kindness is and shown in all that He has done for us through Jesus Christ. We know the main focus is on what Jesus did for us, but what Jesus did for us, He has given us every spiritual blessing in high places, and then He has set us there with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Pastor, I don't have it. I don't, I don't know. I don't I feel like uh, if you understand who Christ says or what God says about you, all of a sudden, all the victim mindset, all the, the, the I just don't know if I can do it, I don't know, hopefully will begin to melt away. When people don't realize this and walk in this identity and you hear things like, well, I have faith for this. Well, really? What are you doing for it? Oh, I, I'm not doing anything. And, and you hear faith without works is dead? You, do you see what I'm saying? If you don't walk in your authority of who Christ says you are, who, who he has made you to be, then, then it's hard to do the works. You think, well, I, I just I, it's all up to God. Now watch this. This is very important for us to sit this. Because now as I go back to what we talked about last week in the creation in the garden. <clears throat> and the Bible says that God created man in his image and put him in the garden and did what? He gave him dominion over all the creatures, all over the, all the livestock, all over the creeping things of the world. He gave them dominion over those things and he put them in the garden. I encourage you to go back there or back into wherever we have that YouTube, I think, and Facebook and any place that you can look and, and watch that again over and over. But we talked about when Satan came into the garden and, and here's here's Adam and Eve and they're both together. And really, we all understand that the first sin was that Eve took of the fruit of the tree that she shouldn't have eaten and, and all that. But I believe that the first sin was when God commanded Adam. He had authority over all the creeping things. And here comes in a snake. How many people know that a snake is a creeping thing? And allowed the temptation to come to Adam and Eve. And as Eve was looking and saying, yes, it looks pleasing to the sight and good for food, I think I'll take it. And the enemy tempted her, if you remember, because... The, the temptation that looked good to her was, if you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. 
even though we know that in the word of God, it says that who, are, who is man, God, that you're mindful of him? That you made him a little lower than heavenly beings, a little lower than God's, little God, not, not capital G. But at the same time, when you begin to walk in that, and you begin to see that, that man gave up his authority in the garden to the enemy. When the enemy came in and said, you'll be like God's, they were already the ruler and the, the dominion, the person that had dominion over all the earth. We talked about this and how because of the sin that came into the world, that man left the garden, the perfect will of God. And since that time, man has been blaming God for all the things that have happened in the world. This is not God's plan for man. But when that happened, if you read the passage where the, the uh, serpent is there and God is talking to him, he says, oh, oh, here's John Miller's translation. Oh, it's on. You want to dance? Here we go. I'm going to be fighting all through eternity for my love, my creation, man. The Bible says that looking at the woman, her seed, you'll bruise his heel, but he will crush your head, Satan. Talking of a foreknowledge or a prophetical word of what's going to happen when Jesus came and died on the cross. So think about this. As man left the garden... There was so much wickedness that started generating on earth because, again, Adam gave his authority to the enemy. And the Bible then will later even classify Satan as terms like uh, the, the, the prince of the air or the prince of the earth or things like this, uh, the god of, the, of this world. I want you to look how this is going to change. And one passage is in... I'm going to talk about Genesis chapter 6 verse or chapter 6 through chapter 11 today and, and then we'll talk about uh, the rest of Genesis next week. Th this morning I want you to see the subject of Noah. And and if you look at chapter 6, you'll see or if you'll go to the end when the flood is already done, Noah will build an ark and offer sacrifices on it and God will say I'm going to make my covenant with you. I'll now establish my covenant. But I want to start at chapter 6, verse 5. Look at this. As you're turning there, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Did, did you understand? I don't know if you knew this, but uh, I heard a story about how things on this earth right now have gotten so bad that uh, the angels were giving word to God it's getting bad down there. And God said, really? So he sent some more angels and they came back and oh my goodness, it, it's bad down there in 2021. So God decided to write a letter to all the good people and encourage them to stand strong. You know what the letter said? Oh, that's right, you didn't get one. All right, stick with me, stick with me. That's not in the Bible. Some of you are going, I didn't get a letter. 
Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, this is what's going on. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Talk about being bad. Wow. All the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe out the face of the, on the earth the human race have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I made them. Now, now why, did, why is this happening? Because of the wickedness that now is entered into the world through the, the sin of Adam and Eve. But I want you to catch this. In verse 8 it says, But there's a man, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, we've studied about covenant, and, and I'll go into more about covenant. It, it is powerful, especially next week when we again talk about Abraham and the blood covenant. And we're going to take a, a, a different approach because we have already talked about this a lot, but approach that we haven't looked at before. But why did Noah have to have a covenant? Again, I want you to see this because man had rulership and authority and dominion, but he, but he turned it over to Satan. Man had walked in revelation knowledge of who God was because he walked with him in the garden. But because of his sin, when sin entered into the world, the righteousness of God parted. The sin separated him from man. His man, Adam, had lost his authority. Again, Satan, the God of this world system that we even see at times playing out in our lives. We've got to be careful about that. But in verse 18 of chapter 6, look at this. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring in the ark two of every living creature's male and female to keep them alive with you. Think about this. Why did God make a covenant with Noah? This is something that sometimes we it, it makes sense, but we've never been taught this. And, and I believe he made a covenant with man because man had a body. You have to have a body to live on this earth. Have you ever known that? You go to space and you have to have a, a space suit. This is an earth suit. And I don't know that sounds, woo what are you going to drink Kool-Aid next, Pastor? No, no, stick with me. <clears throat> if you're ever in space and you're, you know, hovering, you know, what have you ever seen those astronauts? If you have no spacesuit, you don't live long. If you damage this earth suit, usually you're not going to be here long. When God created man in his own image, remember we talked about man is a, a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. When God formed man out of the dust of the earth, it was just a clay lump. But when he breathed into him, that's when life, that's the creation, the spirit of God inside man. So when God comes back to make a covenant with man, he's being shut out of the earth. Now again, don't lose track of God doesn't have power, but God was limited based on his word. He had already given dominion to man. Now watch this. 
Here's God, and he comes back to make a covenant, again, out of love for man. Here's Satan. He's gained dominance and control. Wickedness is on the earth. And God will gain entrance back through the covenant he makes with Noah. He'll do it later with Adam. I mean, I'm sorry, with Abraham. Listen to this. He speaks to Noah and says, I establish my covenant with you and your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you. If you look at chapter 9, verse 12, after the flood, it says, And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. Are we glad? Now, now this is a covenant. Look at the sign. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth whenever I bring clouds over the rain. And the, the rainbow appears in the clouds. In other words, that the earth will not be destroyed by flood again. We know that after the, the flood, God establishes a way for sins to be forgiven. The wickedness that r- ran rampant on the earth before the flood, as we just read, now man has an option called sacrifices where blood could be the atonement for the sin, a covering of the sin. Listen to this. It was not a way that man could be redeemed, restored back to the original state that God created him. It was just a way that the sins could be covered by a sacrifice through the blood of an animal. Now, now, I hope this is interesting to you because some of you have heard about sacrifices in the Old Testament and all those things, and you go, well, I don't really get that. That's why I want you to look at this. And we're going somewhere. I'm not just teaching you sacrifices. But during this time, after the flood, God said, this is established through the blood of an animal, sacrifices for the sins of man. I want you to see as we go on to the next chapter that the sins of man now can be covered. And the covenant between Noah establishes a relationship back with man from God or with God. In Genesis chapter 11, I just want to talk about this briefly because next week we'll go into the Abrahamic covenant And we know this part of the the early part of creation called the Tower of Babel. And what I, I, I think is so interesting about this is now wickedness is still coming back pretty strong to the point of satanic worship. They have come together and they're in one mind, they're in one unity, and they come up with this plan, this project together, that they're going to create a tower that's going to reach to the heavens. Could man ever get to the heavens? Now we're thinking, not a chance on their life. Watch this. God comes down and says an amazing thing about his creation, his love. And that's you, mankind. But listen to this. When man said, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves. 
In verse 6 it said, The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they had begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. You realize that God said that. Pastor John didn't say that. It, it, write that down, Genesis 11, verse 6. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. They're in one speech and they're unified. But even because they were, they were in wickedness, God came down to confuse them in changing their language. But the thing that I want you to see here is God is saying about his creation, you and I, anything that man can imagine or conceive in his heart, he can perform. That's pretty amazing to me. That God has given us imagination. He gives us the ability to be a speaking spirit, as you will, to say, to speak to things that are not as if they were by faith. How many people were alive July 1969? Everybody's like, well, I'm not raising my hand. I was. Do you know what happened July 69? Man stepped out of a spaceship on the moon. See, some of us that have been, or not us, but some that have been born later go, that's, that's not that hard. If you would have asked one generation before that generation, would anybody ever get to the moon? They would have thought you were crazy. But because man meditated on it, man imagined that it could happen. Now, we as Americans love it that there was a United States flag put right there. But to be able to just think and imagine, to meditate on it, there's something that goes against man and who we are. And this morning as I continue the, the series, The Authority of the Believer, that there's something that comes over sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes over me and sometimes over you, that we, we, we have to humble it down. We got, whoa, and I'm not talking about pride. We know that's wrong. I'm talking about who God created you to be because a lot of times so many of us live in a victim mindset where all we can do is just say, I, I'm, I, 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 didn't get the, I didn't get the breaks everybody else did and... See, I, I grew up in church, and sometimes the terminology and some of the songs that we sang, one of my favorite songs is At the Cross, At the Cross, where I first saw the light. But boy, the second verse, the first time I heard that, I was like, what in the world? When we get to the place of such a worm as I. Repeat that again. You know, and I'm, I'm always the, the head back singer at the cross such a worm as what and if you you know sometimes what what they did Isaac Watts he goes back and he, he writes this song and he, he means well but he's taking he's taking the uh, 
the, the, the passages out of Isaiah 41 where, where God is saying to Jacob, the, the worm, you're just a little nation compared to all the nations, but I'm going to step in front of those nations. He's not saying you believers or you people of God are just little nothings. Psalms 22, you know, when, when David is talking about, I, I feel like a worm, and that's prophetic of how Jesus, God, was going to state on the cross what he said. It was never an identification of God saying that man was just a little worm, just a little dirt thing, you know. that. But let me encourage you. Now, now we know that science says that man is only using about tenth of his brain capacities and for some people on I-35 at rush hour it's less than 10 <laughs> percent I don't want to preach on that one because I don't need my notes because <laughs> I know that I'm not always right myself I'm glad my wife didn't amen that on the front row. All right. When man was redeemed of what Jesus did on the cross, we're born again. Man becomes a new creation. Let, let me say it again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you understand that Satan can't handle new creation? This morning, I believe in the cross, but if you really think about it, the cross is a place of defeat. Come on up to the resurrection. Come on now. Come on up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ that defeated death. And then, then don't stay there. Come on up to, the, to believing in the ascension of Jesus Christ. But don't stop there. Come on up to Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes in and fills mankind. But don't stop there. Come on up to the heavenly realms where Jesus sits. Where he said that he has provided Every spiritual blessing for us that are in Christ Jesus. This morning as I end with this thought right here. And I go there because we see the covenant to bring man back to what God had redeemed at the cross. But realize this, as we go into this and we take a step closer to the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and what God has promised us that are believers... That when Jesus died, the Bible says this, and I want you to hear this because this is just, this is like the song we said, we are the, well, we didn't sing we are the champions, but, but you know what I mean. In Colossians 2.15, it says, when Jesus died, it says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, what does that mean? Satanic dominion over this world. 
After having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He took back the authority that Satan had stolen, leaving him stripped of anything. He's streaker today, huh? He has no power. Except what we as believers give him. As I said last week, and I'll say it again this week, this week begin to process this in your life. Go into Genesis, past Genesis 16 in the Tower of Babel, into Abraham, starting, I believe, in verse 12. And just read that passage of Scripture, how God comes down and makes a covenant again with man. Again, a man that is here on the earth, that has a body, that has somewhat at this time a limited authority, that has a free choice that was given him by his creator to be in covenant, to be able to walk. It, it, you can walk through the scripture coming to the time when it'll make sense to you if it hasn't already why Jesus had to come in a body, human body, as a man to overcome sin in the first 30-some years of his life, be baptized in the Jordan, receive the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, and begin to be the one final sacrifice that would ever be needed for man, the second Adam, so to speak. Now listen. I know that at times when you're hearing something different, it can become like, wow, I don't even know where he's going. It's okay. You have the mental capacity to process this. Allow the Holy Spirit not to, do not let your mind just shut down and go, I don't know about that. I don't get, you're, you're okay. And when you begin to see your belief system open up of what God can do in your life, all of a sudden, when you hear things that we're the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth, you don't go, well, I haven't seen much salt. Well, you're the salt. Winch it up a little bit. Come on now. The world, I tell you what, our, our politics, our, people are walking in fear. That's why you're here. You, do you understand what I'm saying? It's easy to point to all the problems. We talked about that years ago, the bird dog. Did you, everybody see that problem? I tell you what, it's getting bad. You're here and anointed to solve the problem through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We're going to see that. Let's pray this morning. Father, you are love. And Father, you have given us, God, the word of God for direction in our life. And Father, when we're incorrect, God, you correct us. God, when we're in fear, God, you bring love to us that drives out the fear. Father, when we begin to read your word and allow the Holy Spirit just to work in our lives, Father, we begin to see how much you love us. Father, I just pray today. And I ask you 
what people have spoken over our lives, each one of us individually. God, we know that this is not our home. We're just here for a while. But God, while we're here, we're going to make a difference because of the authority that you have given us as a believer. God, we believe when Jesus was leaving this earth, he says, I give you authority. Father, this morning, we ask for direction in our life that you bringing those opportunities in front of us, that, that, that we, we take those opportunities. We do not wait for someone else that we think is stronger than us or wealthier than us to, to be able to give or to bless somebody. God, we believe that, that you have sent your word to heal their disease. God, that's ours, that we can be healed in Jesus' name. And Father, we walk that out by faith in who you say that we are because of who you are. And because you're an overcomer, you have overcome this world that we too as believers can overcome. God, we thank you for that. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. This morning, I feel like, you know, I'd like to... to we sing sometimes a song that will confirm what we say, kind of a, a chance to respond. But, but this morning, I, I just want to end right here. And, and we'll greet one another and dismiss, but I, I want us to, again, to, to really take this to heart of where we're at and who God says that we are. Remember that time together is critical. We live in a world that, that uh, we get comfortable with, but when we get together and we can encourage one another and, and just celebrate life together. This week, a group of guys got together at a restaurant, and it was fun. I was able to be a part of that. Uh, this week, I, I helped move uh, a guy, Johnny, in our church. I didn't know one single guy could have that much stuff, let me tell you. <laughs> what is in that? That's a deep-sea diving outfit. Have you ever dove? No, but I will. Okay. That's going with you. We get to the apartment, and it's the third floor apartment. I, I love it. I love it. And I'll tell you what, I've never moved somebody that all through the move didn't go, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Huh? That's what we do. That's what we do together as a church family. I see some people going, they never helped me move. <laughs> Homer and Lisa Cruz get their phone number right there. Let's pray. God, thank you as we leave this place today. God, be with us in every step along the way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.